Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for. 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit. 20% off gifts to celebrate the season. And 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC. In stores and online now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military and the other 99 percent of us we owe them online at americanveteranshow.com here's stephan tubbs welcome to this week's edition of the american veteran show thank you as always for joining us on this sunday and to those of you who celebrate happy easter sunday to you We've got a great program ahead, of course. We're going to start with news from just a few days ago. In fact, major international news when it comes to the NATO expansion. We'll talk about Finland, the latest nation to join NATO. We'll have that coming up in just a moment. Also, we will take a look at the the latest out of Ukraine. Uh, it is still going on, the war, Russia's invasion more than one year ago. We'll have a a great audio segment and a report coming up in this opening segment. And then later on in the program, we will talk with the author of a book on the Vietnam War. It's called Triumph Regained, the Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. We'll talk with author Mark Moyer coming up later on in our segment three. We could not do programs like this without our presenting sponsor. As always, a tip of the cap, a salute, a thank you to attorney John Boson with Boson Law, B-O-E-S-E-N Law, BosonLaw.com. 303-999-9999, fighting on behalf of veterans every single day, whether it's an issue with the VA or if you possibly have a claim as a Camp Lejeune veteran, get in touch with bosonlaw.com. We begin with news out of NATO. This specifically, news out of Brussels. Finland chose military non-alignment for decades, but after Moscow launched its war on Ukraine, the country felt its 800-mile border with Russia was too big a risk to take without backup. From today, NATO's collective security guarantees apply to Finland, too. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. Finland is safer and NATO is stronger with Finland as an ally. Now Finland's and NATO's priority is to get Hungary and Turkey to drop their objections to Sweden becoming ally number 32. Terry Schultz for CBS News at NATO headquarters in Brussels. In the lead-up to Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, he complained about NATO expansion in Europe as more and more countries sought membership. But ironically, Putin's now got more of exactly what he didn't want. Before Putin's invasion of Ukraine, about a quarter of Finns supported NATO membership. After Putin launched his war, that surged to almost 80%. The bottom line is that NATO has now expanded even further, and Russia will now share a border with a NATO member more than 800 miles long, while next door, Sweden is also seeking to join the alliance. 
Putin's invasion has had many unintended repercussions, and one of them is strengthening NATO cooperation. Russia says if forces from other NATO states are deployed to Finland, it'll respond by bolstering its own defences. The report from Brussels, Belgium, our partners at CBS News. The Pentagon last week announced $2.6 billion in new security assistance going to Ukraine ahead of what is expected to be a spring counteroffensive against Russian invading forces. We'll continue to follow that. This from ABC News speaking about the last, well, well more than a year. One year ago, Vladimir Putin launched what he called a special military operation. In reality, that was a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. The reason this next period is critical is that it will decide how long this war lasts. So how did we get here? The invasion began on February 24th. For months, Russia had been massing troops on Ukraine's border, but most people, including in Ukraine, didn't believe it would actually happen. The morning of the invasion, I was in Kyiv, and we woke up to watch Putin speaking. And about five minutes later, we started to hear the first explosions. Vladimir Putin has just addressed the Russian people moments ago, announcing what Putin called the start of a military special operation, in his words, to demilitarize Ukraine. I mean, judging by those words, this appears to be the worst case scenario. There was a real sense of shock and panic. Millions of Ukrainians fled west, pouring into Europe. The first few weeks, Russia managed to seize about a quarter of Ukraine's territory. In the first days, it felt like the Russians were going to enter the city. They really reached the edge of Kyiv very quickly. The Russian plan was to topple Ukraine's government within days. But the Kremlin had hugely underestimated Ukraine's resistance. raids are going off around the city every half an hour, an hour or so. We're just heading down into a metro station where a lot of residents are now living and spending the night. The first turning point comes at the start of April. Clear that it lacks the forces to take Kyiv, Russia retreated, abandoning virtually all the territory it had taken in the north. As Russia retreated, the horrors it left behind started to emerge. In the town of Bucha, outside Kyiv, there were mass graves of hundreds of murdered civilians. Russia was devastating Mariupol in the south. The besieged city became a symbol of Ukrainian resistance and a barbarity, really, of Russia's war. After over three months of siege and heroic defense, Ukrainian troops were forced to surrender. By June, after the retreat from Kyiv, Russia really switched its focus to capturing eastern Ukraine, the Donbass region. It becomes a grueling artillery war, with Russia using its massive advantage in firepower to grind forward. Ukraine was really battling to hold the line. In July, the US, for the first time, starts supplying Ukraine with HIMARS long-range missile launchers. These and other Western weapons help to begin to turn the tide. 
Russia, still pretending it's fighting a limited special operation, starts struggling with shortages of men and munitions, and Ukraine begins to take control of the war. In September, there comes a crucial turning point. Ukraine launched a spectacular counteroffensive in the northeast near Kharkiv. They collapsed Russia's lines and liberated thousands of square miles of territory. Most military analysts say this route really puts an end to Russia's ability to truly go on the offensive. From this point, Russia is really fighting to just hold what it's already captured. Faced for the first time with the risk of full defeat, Putin declares a partial mobilization, calling up 300,000 men. Desperate to seal Russia's war gains, Putin declares the annexation of four Ukrainian regions, Zaporizhia, Luhansk, Donetsk and Kherson. But Russia fully controls none of them, and within weeks it will lose the capital of one. In November, Ukraine liberates Kherson as Russian troops are forced to withdraw, losing the only regional capital it captured. By the fall, Russia switches strategy. It launches a massive campaign to destroy Ukraine's energy infrastructure, trying to freeze Ukrainians as winter approaches. The war becomes focused around the city of Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine. Russia is hurling thousands of troops into the battle. After staggering losses, Russia made its first gain in months, capturing the small town of Solodar in January. President Biden agrees to give U.S. heavy tanks to Ukraine. Today, I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abram tanks to Ukraine. Clearing the way for Germany and other European countries to do the same for the first time. It's another watershed moment in Western military support. Ukraine has liberated nearly 30,000 square miles of its territory since the invasion. When we were here a year ago, most people believed that Russia would take Kyiv within days. Instead, Ukraine has inflicted colossal losses on Russia. But Vladimir Putin is preparing Russians for a long war. And that's why the next phase of this conflict will be so decisive. It will determine how long this war lasts. Will Ukraine be able to go on the counteroffensive, break Russia's army and liberate its territory and win a true victory? Or will Russia succeed in turning this into a bloody stalemate and a war that could last for years? The stakes couldn't be higher. That from ABC News. We'll take a time out, and in our next segment, we'll play you the speeches by the President of Finland and Jens Stoltenberg, the NATO Secretary General, from Brussels just this past week. Glad you're with us. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stefan Tubbs. Glad you're with us on this Sunday as we continue last segment talking all about Finland becoming the latest member of NATO. We'll take you to Brussels now. Just from last week, the speeches from the NATO Secretary General, Jans Stoltenberg, as well as the Finnish president. This is an historic day. We welcome Finland as the newest member of our alliance. We will raise the Finnish flag for the first time here at the NATO headquarters. 31 flags flying together as a symbol of our unity and our solidarity. On this day, on the 4th of April 1949, the Washington Treaty was signed to create a shield 
against aggression and the fear of aggression. For almost 75 years, this great alliance has shielded our nations, and it continues to do so today. But war has returned to Europe, and Finland has decided to join NATO and be part of the world's most successful alliance. This has been the fastest accession process in NATO's modern history. Finland and Sweden applied for membership last May. In June, at our summit in Madrid, every ally invited them to join. And today, less than a year later, we welcome Finland as a full member of our alliance. I look forward to also welcoming Sweden into the alliance as soon as possible. Finland is safer and NATO is stronger with Finland as an ally. Your forces are substantial and highly capable. Your resilience is second to none. And for many years, troops from Finland and NATO countries have worked side by side as partners. From today, we stand together as allies. This sends a clear message that every nation has the right to choose its own path, that NATO's door remains open and no one can close it with force or coercion. NATO is a community united by our values, freedom, democracy and the rule of law. We stand together, we protect and defend each other, all for one and one for all. President Nienstö der Saule, I'm glad to be here together with you on this great day. Thank you for your outstanding leadership and your tireless work to make this day possible. I'm glad and I'm proud to be the Secretary General that welcomes Finland fully into the NATO family. Welcome to the Alliance. of Finland will now deliver his address. Maintenant, le président de la Finlande va prendre la parole. Secretary General Stoltenberg, dear Jens, ministers, excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, Finland has today become the 31st member of NATO. The era of military non-alignment in our history has come to an end. A new era begins. Each country maximizes its own security. So does Finland. NATO membership strengthens our international position and room for maneuver. As a partner, we have already long 
actively participated in NATO activities. As an ally, Finland will contribute to NATO's collective deterrence and defence. Membership of the alliance uh, provides security for Finland. Finland, on the other hand, provides security for the alliance. Finland committed to the security of all NATO member states will be a reliable ally that strengthens regional stability. Finland's membership is not targeted against anyone, nor does it change the foundations or objectives of Finland's foreign and security policy. Finland is a stable and predictable Nordic country that seeks peaceful resolution of disputes. The principles and values that are important to Finland will continue to guide our foreign policy also in the future. NATO membership does not change everything, but uh, being an ally requires Finland to adopt new ways of thinking and some changes in legislation as well. <clears throat> A lot has already been done. For years we have developed our NATO compatibility. There's still considerable work ahead to integrate Finland's uh, defence as part of uh, NATO's common defence. The Finnish Defence Forces are facing new demands and challenges to which we must respond. At the same time, it is clear that Finland's most significant contribution to NATO's collective deterrence and defence is built on the security and defence of our own territory. In this respect, the Finnish concept of comprehensive security retains its value. But we no longer do this work alone. Last year, Finland applied to join NATO together with Sweden. As I have stressed, Finland's membership is not complete without that of Sweden. Our persistent efforts for a rapid Swedish membership will continue. I look forward to seeing Sweden join us as the 32nd member at the Vilnius Summit in July. To add up, I want to thank you, Mr. Secretary-General, dear Jens and your people. Your help has been very important. Uh, you have been packing us in every moment uh, of this procedure. We really give a lot of value to that and to our partners. Thank you. The Finnish president there in an outdoor ceremony outside of NATO headquarters in Brussels 
We started off this segment with a speech remarks from Jans Stoltenberg, the NATO Secretary General. We will take a time out, and when we come back, the author of Triumph Regained, the Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. That's coming up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stefan Tubbs. We continue this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. And as always, thank you so much for making this program a habit. Visit our newly revised website. It's AmericanVeteranShow.com. Not too many episodes ago, we focused on the Vietnam War for the entire episode. And we do that anytime, any day, especially as we say welcome home to our Vietnam veterans, even 50 plus years later. Uh, One of the reasons why we focused on the Vietnam War was recently was, as uh, is now at least commemorated, uh, National Vietnam Veterans Day. And it's a pleasure to welcome to the program the author of Triumph Regained, the Vietnam War 1965 to 1968. Its author is Mark Moyer. And it's a pleasure to have you on the American Veteran Show, Mark. Thank you. Great to be with you. What's the book about? Give us an overview. Well, it's the second volume of a comprehensive history of the Vietnam War. The first one was called Triumph Forsaken, and uh, which was published back in 2006. I got pulled into uh, doing work in Afghanistan, Iraq, and in the Trump administration, and it uh, slowed me down a bit. But uh, this now this one picks up in 1965, and like the first one, I argue that most of what the mainstream academic world and journalists have said about Vietnam is incorrect and that rather than it being an unjust war that was unnecessary strategically, uh, I argue in fact it was a war that was in America's interests, although it was one that we uh, did not fight in the proper way because President Lyndon Johnson refused to take the advice of his uh, generals. When you look at this book, and I'm just reading a little bit of the overview about how how your book overturns, quote, overturns the conventional wisdom using a treasure trove of new sources. Has the mainstream media got it wrong? Was there a narrative that was followed that that maybe through your research and connections and your hard work, you, you found out that, wait a minute, time out, that not necessarily was the case? That's right. And I trace some of it to the number of journalists, um, including David Halberstam, Neil Sheehan, and Stanley Carno, who really helped shape the narrative. And it has a lot to do with their own involvement. They were there influencing events on the ground. They actually support this disastrous coup in 1963, which really colors what they do. And then I also, to talk about in this volume, uh, in 1967, until the middle of the year, there's general support across most of the country for the war. And then suddenly college campuses turn against it. And that is because they changed the draft rules. And all of a sudden, uh, all these baby boomers are being called. And, and so there's sudden rise in anti-war sentiment. And then ever after, that whole generation uh, has been divided into the those who went to Vietnam, who tend to by and large agree with my interpretation. And then you have those who did not go and who I think felt obliged to explain why they didn't 
go to Vietnam and got a medical deferment or went to Canada. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think you get a lot of the distortion. I personally was not born until 1971. So I think I have a bit of distance from it and uh, can be a bit more objective. The author is Mark Moyer. The book is Triumph Regained, the Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. He's also the chair in military history at Hillsdale College. He's been on, uh, obviously, many, many programs over his career. And uh, you have written articles in the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, etc. You know, when I hear you say about a narrative and then maybe looking at it from a different perspective, you know, the bottom line is, and I'm sure you would agree, the bottom line is the Vietnam veteran himself or herself paid the price. Yeah, and that was really why I got into this in the beginning is because I started meeting Vietnam veterans and they didn't match up with what I was being shown on TV and in the newspapers of these disheveled, disgruntled, suicidal, what have you, veterans. And most of them were actually very positive about their service and then none of that really came across and of course also they they get blamed when they come home from vietnam there's not celebrations and a lot of people criticize them which also just didn't really make sense because you know they're not the ones who are making the decision the politicians who have been elected by the people and and so i think one of the probably the most satisfying part of, of writing these books has been that a lot of veterans have contacted me and said I'm glad somebody really has written something that corresponds to what I actually experienced in Vietnam. Mark, what's it been like? You know, we talk with hundreds of veterans a year on this program. And over over my three decade plus career, I've probably, you know, easy to say probably two or three thousand at, at least. Is there a common denominator when you talk with specifically a Vietnam veteran? Uh, yeah, generally there is, I think. Most of them, the large majority of them, and there's been also polling on this, would say, you know, first, I, I was glad to have had the opportunity to serve in Vietnam. And, you know, I, I would do it again. And uh, that the real problem was uh, not that we were in the wrong war, but that our, our politicians didn't do the things necessary to succeed. The book is Triumph Regained, The Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. Its author, Mark Moyer, joins us here on the American Veteran Show. I want to take a really high-level, very simplistic question to you, and that would be, what were we trying to do in Vietnam? Well, that's a good question. Part of the problem with Lyndon Johnson is that he doesn't actually explain the war to the American people, right. and that creates a lot of confusion, but... The fundamental reason was we were trying to spread, uh, to stop the spread of communism. And the, I think every president involved in Vietnam really believed to the so-called domino theory that the fall of South Vietnam would lead to the fall of the rest of Asia. Now that gets dismissed in the conventional narrative by saying, well, look in 1975, Vietnam uh, falls and most of Asia doesn't fall. And uh, as they show in the book, when the U.S. goes in in 65, it's a very different world. And in fact, a lot of what the U.S. does between 65 and 75 will help save the rest of of Asia because it gives people confidence and it leads to a momentous um, counter coup in Indonesia uh, that's especially important. 
Now, in your book, Triumph Regained, you go specifically 65 to 68. And did you, you know, look, uh, you know, we're right around the same age. And so we are very, very young when the Vietnam War is wrapping up and the fall of Saigon, et cetera. But when when you look at even from our perspective and, you know, it was it was the generation before us, obviously, that that was fighting in Vietnam, 1968 specifically. My God, man, what what an incredibly tumultuous year, to say the least. Yes, and that's another part that gets misrepresented. You know, we're led to believe that uh, the anti-war protesters at the Chicago National Convention, you know, turned American politics upside down and they really showed people all this opposition. Well, in fact, those pop protesters were... Um, despised by nearly everyone in the country, including most Democrats. And, and at the convention, Hubert Humphrey you know, recognizes there's still strong support in his party and rejects what the liberal wing is uh, is saying about it. In fact, you have strong support for the war through the end of 68, which is something that you know, people try to, to sweep under the rug because it doesn't jive with their notion that this was uh, a hopeless war that American people didn't really care about. I'm sure the book is available everywhere you can find books. Again, the uh, the title, Triumph Regained, The Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. Mark, thank you. I wish you the best of luck with this, and, and hopefully we, we can get you on the program again. You got any others in the works right now? Yes, I'm working on the final volume of this history, so it'll go Vietnam from 1969 to 1975, and um pleased to have the opportunity to speak to veterans. I said, I really, that's who I wrote it for. Absolutely. Triumph Regained, The Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. It's author Mark Moyer, and we appreciate his time. You can find out more about this particular book in the trilogy, EncounterBooks.com. That's EncounterBooks.com. Glad you're with us. We'll wrap up the show coming up next. I'm Stephen Tubbs. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. We wrap up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show with uh, some great news when it comes to local folks hoping to help and helping veterans. Those people like you, maybe you say you're fine. You know, we know that the veteran community, not only here in Colorado, there are many people that need maybe not a handout, but they need a hand up. And that goes coast to coast. We've got a United States Marine veteran here, Jeff Zorb. He's a realtor. It's good to see you again. And thank you for what you do. We're going to talk a lot about the VA rep program. Thanks for having us. You bet. And uh, Beth Ann Demeter is here as well. Good to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Let's talk about first why you're sitting here today, Jeff. Yeah, so VA RIP is uh, Denver. It's a local chapter of a national 501c3. The primary, the only focus of VA RIP is to assist veterans with their housing needs. Um, we're, we are the only veteran service organization that focuses on housing needs. We don't deal with education or disability claims, just simply housing. There's 32 chapters nationally, and we are a part of the, the Denver chapter here locally. 
Beth Ann, why are you involved? I'm the catch-all volunteer. You know, when you have a project and no one to do it, I'm, I'm kind of the person who comes in and, and helps with everything. So I help with special projects, events, like our great uh, golf tournament and poker run coming up, um, gathering presents for kids at the holidays, all sorts of different stuff. Do you have veterans, military in your past? Absolutely. My husband is Army. Don't hold that against me. Hmm. But he uh, was in... Um, he actually guarded the border in Germany during the Cold War wow. in the 1980s. Um, and then he did a fifth bonus year, which doesn't appear on his DD-214 in uh, Iraq. And, uh, you know, he, I mean, he loved giving time to the military. No, I'm kidding. But mm. he now works for the federal government. He really enjoys giving back and federal service. So I enjoy supporting him in whatever way I can. And VA rep is one of the ways I do it. Jeff, talk about uh, a little bit about your service. Uh, was in the Marine Corps from 90 to 94, uh, went in and was part of a non-deployable air wing unit, ended up deployed in a Gulf Storm. Uh, when we returned from that, I applied for the Marine Security Guard program and ended up doing three and a half years guarding embassies and personnel and government uh, equipment and classified materials for about three and a half years. Well, Semper Fi to you. Again, we're talking about the Veterans Association of Real Estate Professionals. Is it tough right now for veterans to, I mean, you know, a lot of people think, and I always try to make sure people know it's not the case. You know, when you get out of the service, there's not a red carpet and how can we help you every single step of the way? I know there are programs, but it's not just, you know, everything is rainbows and unicorns. What about now with interest rates so crazy? Uh, it's, it's challenging for our veterans, especially in an economy like Denver, where it's uh, cost of living is so yeah. expensive. Uh, you know, you're hearing a lot about homeless issues in the media right now, especially with the Denver mayoral um, candidates and yeah. stuff. Uh, what people don't realize is that there are, at any given time in our metro area, over 3,000 homeless veterans uh, that are on the streets. And that could include their families, wives, kids. Um, so what VA Rep Denver has done is partnered with the VA HUD-VASH program. The HUD-VASH will identify veterans that are in need. Uh, supplement their living costs with vouchers, uh, get them into temporary housing off the streets, but they're simply giving them the box to live in. Uh, VA rep has stepped in and identified, you know, being able to give these veterans their household essentials, things that you and I go home, Bethann, we all go home, we sleep in a bed, we sit in a chair, we watch a TV, we eat off of a plate, we cook our food. These veterans don't have that. Uh, so VA rep has stepped in and figured out how we can donate those items to these veterans. What is the best way for people, you know, right now, maybe it's not them, but it's somebody that they know. What 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 should people do? How do they contact you? Absolutely. They get in touch with us online, um, even you know, reaching out to us. We're always available by phone, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, have a program that they can apply for. The veteran can check off um, needs and wants if they have more kitchen needs, for example. That's something they can check off a list. We can then source those needs. And that is basically our sponsor a vet program. It can commits a certain dollar amount to veterans to fulfill whatever need they have. And whether it's the bedroom, whether it's the kitchen, whether it's the chair to sit in. We've even had veterans who, who need a recliner that stands up for the veteran that helps them them stand up into a standing position mm-hmm. um, if they have mobility issues. Beth Ann Demeter and Jeff Zorb are realtors, and they are with VA Rep. And again, feel free. We're going to put out information that we can to make it easier via social media. The fact that those numbers you talked about, you know, I, I hear all the time, you know, we do so much. I mean, just this past week, we had $2.6 billion in additional aid going to Ukraine. 
don't want to get into those weeds, but we I hear a lot, and I'm sure you do. You know, we have the ability to send billions of dollars overseas, but here domestically, we still have homeless veterans on the streets. I know it, it, it's it's a reality, and it really it it really frustrates a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It is a reality, uh, and I and I think what's really driving it home for me. I'm going to speak personally now. Is we hear about homelessness, but we don't think a past the person that we see with the cart on the side of the street, more times than not, there's family involved. True. Mm-hmm. Kids, uh, kids that are homeless and suffering as much as, you know, the adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it should be said, and I don't want to, to be one way on a Sunday on the veteran show and then another way Monday through Friday on the regular program. Look, there's addiction problems. There's a lot of things that we talk about Monday through Friday, four to seven. But when it comes to veterans, you know, some of them, I would imagine you have very sad stories, Beth Ann. You also probably could talk about, anecdotally at least, um, some success stories as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one of them, um, which I don't mean to bring a tear to your eye or mine, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we helped a veteran over the holidays who had lost everything in a fire. Everything. He didn't He didn't even have clothes on his back. And here he is with his wife and his, his little child. She was three. She was so cute. Mm. And, and, and she was pregnant. And, she's, and mom's pregnant. And they have nowhere to go. And finally, they received an apartment, um, but they didn't have anything else. And we brought the chairs, we brought the beds, we brought the bed frames, the mattresses, the sheets, all that kind of stuff. A huge box of pot holders and dishes for the kitchen. And they were so incredibly thankful, mm. so thankful because they couldn't even go to a Goodwill store and find those sort of things. And that's the type of thing that I want to contribute back to. I know what my husband went through with the Army and, and what he deals with now. And to give back to that is just is wonderful to have that outlet. Well, they're very lucky to have two of you dedicated to to this cause here in in the greater Denver area. Is there a website people can go to if they want to contribute? What's the best way? VARep.net. Uh, up at the top top right corner, you'll see a gold tab. It says donate. Uh, from there, you can click on Denver. You can find Denver in all of the chapters, uh, and you can make a donation there. Uh, and and. Th- this obviously is tax deductible, 501c3, yep. all of that. At the end of the day, when you guys put your head you know, down on the pillow and, and you've done work for VA rep, I mean, it's got to be very gratifying. You talked, Beth Ann, about, the, about somebody dealing with the aftermath of a fire. I mean, there's a lot of people, I think, that could use, I think a lot more people, right, that could it, use the help than we realize. There's more than we know. And, it, and part of the problem that the VA has is identifying these homeless vets is the veteran doesn't want to admit they're homeless. They don't want to admit they're struggling, that they're having problems. They're just too prideful. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the VA will send out counselors three, four times a week trying to identify veterans that are in need uh, that are on the streets, and they won't. the veteran won't ask for that hand up. Uh, so as gratifying it is and humbling, um, it's also frustrating because there's so much more that could be done that needs to be done. Uh, and we're just trying to do our own little corner of the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The website, varep.net. You can find, uh, just click on on Denver, 501c3, varep.net. Gratifying overall for you both? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this is my fifth year in it, uh, when the chapter stood up. Beth Ann has actually been one of the founding uh, board members as well. Uh, and now she's our, like she said, go-to. She's always devoting her time, and she's not even a board member. So, uh, yeah. 
I don't even get paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, you've got a poker run coming up. You've got a golf tournament coming up. I wish you the best of luck. People, can they still get information at that same website for those same events? Same website or, uh, you know, I'll, I'm willing to give my phone number. They can reach out to me directly, um, 303-847-3526. If you want to help with sponsor a vet program, if you want to be a part of the golf tournament, uh, June Second, we've got our poker run July 22nd. Um, we got their kids' Christmas at the end of the year for uh, in November. We start that. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. it strikes a chord with you, there's a lot of ways to get involved. You can contribute money. You can contribute time. You can contribute donations of things also. So there's all sorts of ways to explore through varep.net and our Denver chapter. Again, varep.net. Semper Fi Marine, Jeff Zorb, thank Semper you. Fi, thank you. And uh, Beth Ann Demeter, thank you both for what you do. I appreciate it. And we'll, we'll try to team up as best we can with you from the radio side. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks thank for you your guys. support as always. Absolutely. That wraps up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your Easter holiday Sunday. For producer Michael Arpaio, staff and tubs, stay safe and healthy. And remember our troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteransShow.com. And join us next week for another edition of The American Veterans Show. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks. The most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.